And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast here on Tuesday. June 22nd, Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, and Brandon Funston here with you. Guys, we've got a lot to get to today. We are going to be focused on some passing games. I thought that would be a fun thing to talk about. want to talk about some running backs also as we get a little bit closer. Maybe save that for next week, but going to focus on some passing games here today. We've also got our usual guess that player going on throughout the show. So be paying attention to those clues and especially pay attention to those clues for one special reason that we will bring up in just a second. But first, Jake Brandon, how you guys doing today? Doing good. Good. No complaints. Uh, it's a little early. I guess I could complain. I'm still getting the sleep out of my eye, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Excited to talk some passing games. Yeah, right. There's uh, Yeah, when I was going through, I just felt like there were some passing games that have some clear excitement to them, but we need to talk about them a little bit and figure out exactly how they're going to shake out. And that's what we're going to do in just a second here. But first, some other exciting news, as maybe you've seen on uh, Twitter over the last day or two, we've been talking about the fact that we're going to give away a spot in the Scott Fishbowl, the 11th year of the Scott Fishbowl taking place here in 2021. We will be giving away a spot to SFB11 on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. So here is how it is going to work. Here's how to get yourself in the drawing to get that spot into Scott Fishbowl. First step, you need to rate and review this podcast wherever it might be that you listen to us. Rate, review, take a screenshot of that. And then, in addition to that, please answer our trivia question, our guest that player as we go through the show. So screenshot that rating and review Put that in a tweet to me at Embeller, Jake at Ellen Kidd, Brandon at Brandon Funston, along with an answer to our guest that player. We will do a random drawing for all the people who have both rated and reviewed and answered the question correctly. And by Thursday, we will have someone selected. So I'll go over that a couple more times throughout the show, but have that in mind as we are going through it. And let's get started with guess that player clue number one. This is a day that we're going to be talking about passing games, so felt appropriate to do a wide receiver for today. Clue number one, I've been a top 15 wide receiver in half PPR scoring each of the last three seasons, peaking at wide receiver number eight. We will come back to guess that player a few more times throughout the show. We are going to start our episode with the Arizona Cardinals. And guys, this is one that... You know, it's they add A.J. Green, they draft Rondale Moore. We know DeAndre Hopkins is the guy who is at the center of this, and so I'm going to throw up the question here, DeAndre Hopkins, and then what happens next, Jake? Uh, what happens next is don't bother trying to predict it is what happens next. I think that we all expect A.J. Green to not have much, ha- have much <clears throat> excuse me, left, but if he does, I mean, it's just going to be a factor of targets anyway. You know, it's not like he's coming into this offense, even if you look at what he did last year with the Bengals and not command at least 80 plus targets, if not more. So you have A.J. Green in the mix. You have Christian Kirk, who should move back to the slot where he does his best work. Still, there's Sterling Shepard. He's still going to get his targets. We can love on more all we want. Andy Isabella is still there. There's just plenty of options where it's kind of just DeAndre Hopkins and everybody else. Like, it's just avoid the mess. It's kind of uh, the Jets without DeAndre Hopkins. Is Don't try and figure it out. Just take the cheapest one and hope the cheapest one breaks out for you. Yeah, I think the easiest thing to do is just plug A.J. Green into Larry Fitzgerald's target share, which was at around 15%, you know, and DeAndre Hopkins was among the most, you know, highly targeted players in the league at, like, around 29%. So, I mean, if you do that and Christian Kirk gets his 15% and then you look at, uh, you know, the bottom feeders, I mean, I think that's where you're going to have to expect Rondell Moore. Can he take some of Andy and Isabella's and some of Dan Arnold's and some of Keyshawn Johnson's and put together, like, 
10 per- I there's just not a lot left when you start to look at it that way. So I think this is still <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins clear far away alpha and the others are just going to have to kind of fight for the scraps. Rondell Moore is an interesting guy to me on this team because of the fact that, you know, we, we came into the season or we came into the draft, excuse me. And obviously, you know, AJ Green is there. They already have Christian Kirk, who does uh, his best work, as you said, Jake, out of the slot. And so you're looking at this team. They've got an alpha wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. They just used a second round pick in 2019 on Andy Isabella. So, you know, it didn't seem like obviously things haven't happened for him, but that was still some high draft capital just a couple of years ago. And then they used a second round pick on Rondale Moore and it should like, am I reading too much into this Jake by looking at Rondale Moore and saying they wouldn't use this pick if they didn't want to use him right away in the ways they made him very exciting when he was at Purdue. Yes. (laughs) Cause (laughs) it's just, it's depth for this team because AJ Brown's not the long-term solution. Not every rookie wide receiver comes in and has any impact as a rookie, Mm -hmm. let alone, I would say what 80% of them don't matter. It's just when to talk about fantasy yeah. purposes, they'll get some targets. They'll be involved. They'll make the team as a whole better. But similar to Bateman with the Ravens, sure, he can make the team better. But for fantasy, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> it's simple math. It's simple target share, simple target percentage. It's simple the fact that with the best case scenarios, we hope he leapfrogs three people. We could say from day one, we expect him to be better than A.J. Green. But A.J. Green wasn't brought in to not play. Even right. if he doesn't look great, you know, Christian Kirk is still essentially, you could argue the number two when you balance out targets, opportunity, talent, and who's, you know, all that type of stuff right now. So he has to get past Kirk, he has to get past Green. And I'm even saying that with the fact that he should probably get past Andy Isabella. Whether you're differentiating on that is because I do think he's a better prospect than Isabella. I was surprised Isabella went as high as he did. I thought he was kind of like a Mike Wallace. Hopefully that's what he turns into type of guy. But all that being said is there's a lot to overcome here for a team that also loves three and four wide receivers. And then who knows, maybe they get some tight end involvement this year with, you know, (laughs) that, you know, you just never know. But again, even if that doesn't happen, it's just, it's simple math. And that's the fact is not every rookie wide receiver is brought in. The Giants brought in Kadarius Toney. To make him, hey, this makes the team better, but let's think mm-hmm. about next year when Sterling Shepard you know, clears almost $11 million off the books by getting rid of him. Some of these picks even be in second rounders or for year two plus. I feel like the with Max Williams and Daryl Daniels, that, that you know the Dan Arnold 8, 8% target share is probably just going away at the tight end position and being distributed elsewhere. One thing <laughs> I wanted to bring up, though, and... You know, I just want to philosophically talk about Kyler Murray because it kind of relates to my guy here in the Northwest and Russell Wilson and what they're going to be trying to do is, is you know, it's easier for shorter quarterbacks to throw to the outside and, and to drop back and to throw a little bit deeper. But if you want to use Rondale Moore the way that I think he would work best in the system, it's a lot of quick slants off the line of scrimmage and things where you're going to have to be throwing – you know, into the into the teeth of the defensive line, especially on the edges where the big guys are. And I wonder if that's going to be a tough fit and a hard thing for Kyler Murray to do. Because I wonder the same thing about Russell Wilson and in, in, in implementing a lot of the Rams kind of uh, philosophies on offense as well. It's definitely a fair question for Kyler Murray as they look at this and how he's going to work with Rondale Moore. Kyler Murray, however, no matter what, looking like a top five quarterback. Another guy who's captaining a very interesting passing game we're going to talk about Looking like a top five quarterback is Dak Prescott, and let's get to those Dallas Cowboys. We know that they've got the three big receivers, or at least the two big receivers, and then Michael Gallup. Sorry, Michael Gallup. We talked a little bit last week about Amari Cooper having the ankle issues. Already some questions about will he be ready for the start of training camp? How much training camp will he participate in? Question, put it to you here first, Brandon. Is this as simple as Amari's the one, CD's the two, Gallup's the three? I guess, I mean, we had to watch how that, it was an ankle injury, right, with Amari. Um, we got to kind of see how that plays out. I think we talked about that in our last podcast and when we would start to worry about it, which is not yet, but um, we'll wait and see how that goes. But I think it's that simple, sort of. I mean, Gallup, maybe, I, you know, Blake Jarwin's back. I know Jake's a big Blake Jarwin fan, um, and, and maybe, you know, if we could see some of that, you know, some of some of these guys' Targets moved a little bit towards the tight end a little bit more than last year, but I think as far as the hierarchy, I still see it as in that order, assuming that Amari Cooper is healthy. And, and it might just be really close between Cooper and CeeDee Lamb this year, and then I still think Gallup's probably a distant third. Yeah, so I'd say the only difference there is I would say no 
because the fact is that the door is open for Lamb to be the number one. And that just because, you know, Lamb talent-wise with Cooper, like even if Cooper's 100%, I think you see both of them finish neck and neck, honestly. You know, Mm -hmm. you would possibly even see like Lamb finish wide receiver 10 and Cooper 12. And then it's like, okay, who really cares? Like that that's the conversation (laughs) we've already had before. But Mm -hmm. what Brandon said, I think that's the concern. It's like we're talking about an injury that's a long time ago now that had surgery that has been taken, and he's still dealing with issues from it, which just – leads to the hesitation of drafting it. And you see it in ADP right now. And yes, it's a super early late ADP and it could be skewed by one week of people going crazy on Twitter. But Lamb (laughs) is a fringe wide receiver one right now. And Cooper is down in the low teens. People are scared for the same reason. And if it finished that way, I wouldn't be shocked. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if Lamb finishes third. I wouldn't put money on it. But when you have three talents like this, I think you're looking at, I I drew the comparison to the Panthers for a different situation on the worst side of things, but this is kind of where I could see the Panthers on the better side of things. Instead of all finishing inside the top 30, all three of them could finish inside the top 24 and who they're really like, how upset would we really be anyway? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone would be complaining too much about that. We do talk a lot about ankle foot, lower half injuries really cropping up and being a problem for wide receivers. So that Amari Cooper one is, we say it's, it's early. It's June 22nd. We're still a month away from training camps opening, but that's something we're going to have our eye on day one and throughout Dallas training camp until we see something meaningful from Amari Cooper. Brandon, you, br- you bring up Blake Jarwin. You mentioned that Jake's a fan. So Jake, what is the Blake Jarwin role in this offense? If we assume that all three receivers are generally healthy for the balance of the season, is there room for Blake Jarwin to wait, wait, be more than a tight end Jarwin's streamer? Fan? Where did this come well, I'm, from? I'm, I'm, I'm taking Brandon's lead on this. I know. One. I'm, I'm, I'm asking Brandon's Brandon. Where like? Well, it's just a, it's just a it's a combination of all the different little snippets I've read that you've written about Blake Jarwin. You've always been on the rosier side of things, never really yeah. thrown him shade. Your so. editor knows you better than you That's know yourself, right. Jake. Everyone I knows. I think this. I've written about him twice. <laughs> first, first of all, both times he was semi semi positively. I would no, say. one of them was quite positively, <laughs> but I also threw water, cold water on him at the same time. You know that. It was similar to the Irv Smith. You're talking about the breakout tight ends. Yeah. Talking yep. about the fact that he wasn't included, though, because I said he's a bounce back, not a, not a breakout. Right. Well, there you the go. You're like, talking about he's going to have a bounce back season. But I even said, similar to Irv Smith, is don't get your hopes up too high because the other person's not going to go away. Like, if what Dalton Schultz did last year is good and bad. And this is actually what I said when I was talking about Jarwin. It's good and bad. Is Schultz showed why we had the excitement for Blake Jarwin last year. And Blake Jarwin, talent-wise, if he told me Jarwin versus Schultz, I'm taking Jarwin every single time. That's not the question mm-hmm. here. So you see what can be brought into this offense, even with poor quarterback play, even with three amazing wide receivers who are going to command all the targets. But you still have Zeke in the mix. And yes, mm-hmm. it still happened last year with Schultz, but Schultz wasn't a top 10 tight end. And now Schultz did enough where the cold water is. Maybe he's not left out this year. Maybe they get him involved. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I like Blake Jarwin. I actually wish he was on a different team. But yeah, I'm not I'm not his boy or anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have nothing. Yeah, I have nothing to, to say. Him. I mean, he's a. He's a guy we might consider at Scott Fishbowl, but that's, you know, in, a, in a two tight end yeah. setups. But yeah, as far as like two tight end setups, two tight end setup? I haven't even looked at the rules yet because they change. Or it's or tight, some, end, yeah, tight end premium. Tight end premium or like, what is it? Like full full PPR point scoring for tight ends versus yeah. half PPR for the rest. Half. Yeah. Is it super flex still? <laughs> it is. It is. Wow, and, this guy's giving away a Scott Fishbowl spot on his own show today, and he doesn't even know the own rules. Unbelievable. Well, there's, an interesting, there's an interesting wrinkle to it this year as well, which I guess we can bring up in the uh, – and I'm giving away further stuff uh, in the, this show, but we are going to be talking about some <laughs> fancy wrinkles that we enjoy. So I'll bring it up later. We might actually have to save that for next week because we got a lot of passing games to talk oh, about, and there's okay. a lot to get into with that. But either way, we can bring it up. We can talk about it when we're getting into the guess that player segment, at least uh, when we talk about that later in the show. I do want to talk right now about the Miami Dolphins. This is a team that I think is maybe the most interesting when we look at the passing game because of the new additions and the big unknown of what Tua Tungabailoa is going to be in his second year, his first year, where he knows right from the jump, I am the starting quarterback. Made some big moves in the passing game uh, this offseason. They go out, they draft uh, Jalen Waddell, they add Will Fuller, they still have Devontae Parker there, they still have Preston Williams there, uh, they have some uh, backs who are going to work into the mix. Mike Gesicki, still part of this whole thing. I mean, 
there are a lot of moving parts here, but it's exciting. It's all exciting around Tua. Jake, when you look at this passing game, what's what's your first impression when you look at the Miami Dolphins top to bottom and how they're going to be using these pass catchers? <laughs> I was glad you changed it. You, you, you ruined my answer. I thought you were going to say, what's your first thought? And I said, my first thought was, I'm tired of talking about him already. Already. <laughs> like, but Because my first thought is positivity. Uh, you know, this is, goes down to my breakout quarterbacks when I talk about two and I talk about Jalen Hurts. And I, I say tired of talking about it. And people might not have heard me say this before. And that's why like, I just feel like people are like, all right, Jake, we've heard you say this 10 times already. But it was what I keep bringing up is they straddled the fence with Tua last year. They tried to somewhat change the offense for him but not overhaul it because Fitzpatrick was still in the mix and then they benched him for Fitzpatrick and put him back in there and trying to go back and forth with Tua just didn't help Tua as a rookie not to mention the fact you had Devontae Parker who took a step back who was trying to adjust to the same offense and then trying to adjust to Tua which are factors Preston Williams didn't fit and got hurt and now you're left with Jakeem Grant and all the rest of them as options so now you spend the entire offseason and stop straddling the fence and have the offense for Tua uh, you have Devontae Parker who can now step back and not be the guy because you have Will Fuller and you also drafted, oh, by the way, the guy who played with Tua and looks like a great option to fit his style in Jalen Waddell for everybody that talks about Tua's passes and downfields. Does everybody forget the giant play that Tua <laughs> threw to Waddell in college that won a national championship? Like people have already written. Yeah, people have already written and closed <laughs> the book on a half season of Tua because of so many things that were mm-hmm. wrong for him last year. So I am excited for this entire offense. This is one of the ones that I keep comparing to the Panthers, and Brandon knows this, and I think that's why you were shaking your head. Like, this is the one where it's like, hey, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, and Devontae Parker could all finish like top 40 wide receivers, but mm-hmm. the problem for us in fantasy is I think there's going to be a lot of inconsistency. If I think I was going for the most consistent one, it would probably be Parker, but he could finish last as overall points. Yeah, I don't know if there's a whole lot left to, to say about this situation. Uh, two is a great and. <laughs> See, that's why I said I'm tired of talking about because I feel like I take up everything <laughs> to talk about. I, I think it serves for, as fantasy. Like, you know, you would think this is kind of a team with a really good defense that they would have been like targeting a Najee Harris and like Tua becomes game manager and you're hitting these guys off of play action and you're you're winning with defense and just not turning the ball over and just smash mouth. But they kind of have set up for Tua to throw the ball a lot because Miles Gaskin's not a he's not a bell cow. Yeah. I mean, he's had some moments where they've been giving him that, but you don't really want to do that week in and week out. So I think what they're just doing is planning on, you know, they're going to probably have a lot. I always say that with, with New England when Tampa when Tom Brady was there is they they use the short passing game a lot as the running game as de facto running game. And I'm sure they're going to do that with Tua, but they also have guys like Will Fuller uh, that now can can get deep and 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 let Tua go throw it. So I think you know. If Tua, Tua is a mixed bag, we saw it last year, but there were some good things there, and obviously they believe in him. If he can throw some rushing in as well, he could be a sneaky surprise in fancy where he's suddenly knocking on that QB1 door. And, and I mean, there's everything in place for it. It just you know has to kind of coalesce. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of the best QB2 targets. Definitely a, a guy to be ch- looking at in Superflex leagues. We've talked about it so much on this show okay. how – uh, streaming quarterbacks is nice in theory, but so many people in regular leagues are drafting backup quarterbacks, and Tua does have the feeling with the way things are set up for him and the fact that all they did at the running back position was bring in Malcolm Brown to supplement what Miles Gaskin did for them a season ago. Like This is going to be a team that, at least if we if we take what they've done the last two off-seasons and just take that right at face value, feels like a team that really wants to win with its passing game offensively. So good news for Jalen or for uh, for Tua Tungavailoa. Those wide receivers going to be interesting. Bad news to for one f- person. I, 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 thought bad news? Might, I thought Brandon might bring it up because he's like, I know what Jake thinks because you keep reading all my stuff. But uh, be hesitant on Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki was one of the highest slot tight ends last year. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, what does Jalen Waddle do? That's mm-hmm. his bag. So I'm legitimately did. concerned that Kasiki could take a step back, not even be a, not not only not be a next step breakout mm-hmm. tight end, is actually be worse yeah. than he was last year. Yeah, he's the guy that I mean, he, from an opportunity standpoint, it couldn't get much better for him than it was last year. Uh, yes, just he's the guy I'm noticing in drafts right now that I'm just trying to 
figure out my way away from him. You know, even when it comes to, <laughs> avoid him. Even when it comes to his time on my rankings, and if he's the guy that I should be taking, I'm like, well, maybe I'll think about another position right now. You know, it's, it's kind of just don't want to, you know, have to be I put on the spot with him. Somebody else take him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even even last year, right? I mean, he had a nice year last year, but even last year you had. Uh, Adam Shaheen working in the mix. You've got Durham Smith. Like it's not even like he's got 100% of whatever is there for Miami tight ends this season too. Well, I like his production was late in the season too, as you said, which couldn't get much better is like Parker's banged up at that point. And again, there's no pro Preston Williams, your number one wide receiver is the, you know, risk. I was Isaiah, right? And Jakeem Grant was the, yeah. yeah, So yeah. yeah. Just legitimate yeah. concerns for him. Really quickly, before we Love before him. we move on, you have Lynn Bowden written in there. I haven't even really been talking about him a whole lot. He did have a nice few games with two at the end of the year. Is it is it just kind of a joker role for him? I mean what what are you guys thinking about? I would love to like he does he does feel to me like much more of a real life piece for the Dolphins than a fantasy yeah, piece. Yeah, Cordell Patterson. Yeah. Like there's a yeah. few teams that are starting to do this now. Yeah, Tavon he's Austin, make was, some Tavon plays. Austin was before his time. Should have been <laughs> right. If only Tavon Austin were a decade younger, we could be talking about him as someone who who's going to be a, a real life contributor to a uh, playoff contending team. But that is not the case, obviously. But Lynn Bowden, interesting, and someone who I've been circling around to quite a bit as I've gotten late in my best ball drafts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, guys, next team that I want to talk about here is another team with a second-year quarterback, the Cincinnati Bengals. And we know a lot of this is going to hinge on what we get from Joe Burrow, how healthy Joe Burrow is at the start of the season and throughout the season. All things, all reports we're getting from Cincinnati are good on Joe Burrow's knee, and right now we can really only have the conversation from an interesting point if we're assuming that Joe Burrow is basically Joe Burrow come week one. This is a fun team because A.J. Green had 104 targets on this team last year that he did nothing with. I couldn't believe when I went and saw that number, 104 targets for A.J. Green. So it's not like they just have to jam Jamar Chase into a role that there isn't something there for when you vacate those 104 A.J. Green targets. But how does this work out, Jake? How do they best balance T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd? Mm, again, can we just like make this the Panther show? Everything's the Panthers. <laughs> uh, better version of Panthers. I think I saw it was either Rich Rebar or somebody like that yesterday tweeted it out. Uh, so if it wasn't Rich, sorry for the person who did and give the credit where credit's due. But they were talking about how many pass attempts Burrow had before he went down. Then he was on pace for something like something ridiculous. It was like 670 or even 680. Yeah. Of course, I don't think we're expecting the Bengals to go that ballistic <laughs> this year. Like to Joe, Bur- although an extra game, maybe he's right back I, into yeah. that range again. That, that defense, that defense is going to be bad again. I think they've made some improvements, but yeah, you're right. It's definitely it's still going to be a bottom ten defense. There's no question yeah. about it. So I'd say six fifty is a reasonable number, and could he surpass that? Absolutely. So six fifty. Now you're talking about the better version of the Panthers because. <laughs> Again, uh, what are we doing at tight end? You could have some excitement for Uzma, but you know he's kind of been like I feel like Uzma is like the Irv Smith thing too. Is like okay, we always see the upside, but what's the realistic week to week? The realistic week to week is the three wide receivers and Joe Mixon. So that's the realistic side of it. And Joe Burrow can throw the ball 650 times in a year, especially with the extra game and then some. So if you want to talk about now ranking these guys, look. I actually, I'll say this. The reason I lean slightly towards Higgins over Jamar Chase is not because of the talent. I think Jamar Chase is a better talent, no question about it. Like, I don't even think it's a debate. I think Jamar Chase was one of the best wide receivers in the past 10 years. He'd be inside probably the top five. 
But what it comes down to is he's still a rookie. And yes, he's played with Joe Burrow before, but he's still a rookie. T. Higgins was in the league. And what did I say is about T. Higgins is I actually thought, and Brandon probably remembers this because he edits me. I actually thought Higgins was going to take at least a year, if not two, to succeed in the NFL mostly because of his landing spot and A.J. Green, but also I thought he was a bit raw. He impressed me last year. So if you told me as of now, I'd probably go Higgins 1, Chase 2, super close, and Boyd 3 just because of the role Boyd plays as he's kind of the slot guy, and that's where he makes the most damage. Although, for everybody poo-pooing on him, let's remember, with or without that whole, is better with or without A.J. Green, blah, blah, blah. He's better with or without A.J. He's good, period. Uh, and he was great with Joe Burrow. I mean, he was he was absolutely uh, he was the leading guy with Joe Burrow. But I think, you know, this is a e- this is the Cowboys, but easier to um, or, or harder to kind of like separate the, the, the receivers. I think you could just say that any one of these guys could be the number one guy. They all have to be kind of in the mid 20s, at least on your rankings. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's great for fantasy because there's just not a lot of branches here. I, I mean, Azuma is, you know, he's somebody. He's just, you know, he's gonna he's gonna get it when they need it, but he's not someone that are really working into the game plan, you know, week in and week out as somebody that has to be a major factor. So you got mixing those three guys and they're gonna probably all get a hundred plus targets again. And, you know, touchdowns can be random, and that's probably gonna be the separator between these guys. No love for Drew Sample, you guys? You don't want to Washington get on the Drew Husky. Sample I always have love for Drew Sample. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, while you know, while we're on this team, just for a second, we we keep waiting, right? And we're not really talking about running backs here, but I do want to talk about Joe Mixon because we keep waiting for Joe Mixon to really take off in this passing game and Giovanni Bernard getting in the way. But Joe Mixon had like twenty six targets last year in five and a half games, something like that. So I think there's a window in between more like there's there's a big gap where Joe Mixon can have more targets than he's ever had before. But the Cincinnati Bengals running back position has fewer targets per game than they did with Giovanni Bernard there for all these years. So does Mixon mess things up, gum up the works at all for the wide receivers? Or is this still just going to be an all-you-can-eat buffet for all these guys? Where are you at on this, Jake? I'm not concerned mostly because I actually don't know that Joe Mixon's going to be. I know I like to talk about like, oh, he's never coming off the field. But, you know, there's also reports when you look at it in context. You also look at some of the other things they said. Oh, they want to get Samaj P. Ryan more involved, which I don't expect mm-hmm. it to be like heavily in the passing game. <laughs> but I think two of the most overlooked and I've been super deep drafts, especially best balls and dynasties and keepers and everything like that. And if I'm going 20 plus rounds in general, I think not only the draft pick of Chris Evans, but also the undrafted free agent in Puka Williams, who I think is a lot like Tariq Cohen, are significant factors to take in here. Yes, either Mm -hmm. one of them could not even make the team. They still have Travion Williams, who they drafted before, but Travion Williams, who was kind of a clone of Giovanni Bernard. Like There are options on this team that are better pure pass catchers than Joe Mixon is. They're not saying that Joe Mixon's a bad pass catcher. It's just those are their skills. Their skills, these guys are complementary pass catching running backs. Chris Evans actually is more around. I'm talking more about the two Williams right now. So if you talk about them, you know, maybe I could see him getting 50 targets over the entire season, but that's not a huge increase where I think it's just more about the fact of Joe Mixon staying healthy in a powerful offense. And that's really what, like, get Joe Mixon around 300 touches, and even if majority of them are rushing, I'm okay with it. So I'm not really concerned about him offsetting the passing game so much himself. Yeah, I think we didn't bring up Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas as being someone that could gum up the receivers upside there. And I think, you know, if Jake's talking that they're going to throw 600 plus times and there's really not a whole lot of other people to throw to other than those three wide receivers that we're talking about. Mm If they want to throw to Joe Mixon or whoever, whatever running back kind of emerges as that, I, I just don't think that's going to impact anybody whatsoever. So, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. here you go. Tell me if I'm crazy. I mean, I already ran it. So, again, I have, I'm conservative on Joe Burrow. Like, I, I might – this is one of the things where I do projections. I might go back and be like, look, I'm going to change my own projections. <laughs> I don't even have – I have Joe Burrow for 640, 641 pass attempts. That's probably low. But even with that, mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there. Even with that – have 127 targets going to T. Higgins, 120 going to Jamar Chase, and 119 going to Tyler Boyd. You still have 49 yep. for Uzma, and Joe Mixon still gets 57. That's I was actually surprised I have it that high for Joe Mixon. But that's with 18 for P. Ryan and 19 for Travion, and then another six sprinkled in for Puka. 
the Brandon's point is there is it's fine even if it's four people. It's such a concentrated concentrated yeah. offense that it's still going to be fine for the wide receivers. And that's oh by the way, that's what the forty nine going to Auden Tate too is the fourth wide receiver. Like there's going to be targets for the big three, no question. No matter how you cut it up. And that's what that's what makes this offense fun is that there are so many ways to invest in the passing game and nothing costs you anything crazy, whether it's Chase, Higgins, Boyd, even Burrow. Oh, no Chase, really I, Chase by the time we get to the third week of August, is going to be priced <laughs> so high. I had Brandon I, – I, I, how many times am I going to say Brandon knows this? Saw, saw the mailbag last week. Somebody – oh, no, yeah. he was in the comments. It wasn't in the mailbag. He said, how early is too early for Chase, uh, Jamar Chase, third round? And I was like, third round? <laughs> oh Holy crap. Like, yeah. chill out, dude. I actually, I actually saw this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, his his NFFC ADP for June – I just I said it for June 1st through today – is wide receiver 21. Uh, the top of these we're three already guys. getting so close to now already, he yeah. has to be yeah. Yeah. like one of the rookie sensations <laughs> uh man it's it's gonna be fun but it's a fun way to invest it's a good it's a good team to invest in and you know I think we could look at the Indianapolis Colts as a similar one and I got the question there right you have T.Y. Hilton Michael Pittman Paris Campbell Paris Campbell in year three we haven't really got a good look at Paris Campbell in his first two years Michael Pittman in year two had a little bit of a pop last year, didn't quite last as long as I think I certainly I can speak for myself and say I was expecting it to once he did emerge. And then ever reliable T.Y. Hilton finally getting to play with another quarterback uh, that he can connect with deep down the field in Carson Wentz. And so there's clearly there's like none of these. This is like a pitching staff that doesn't have an ace, but has like three to four good number two, number threes. Like that's what this feels like to me. And so yeah, I'm wondering, race? Brandon, when you when you look <laughs> at these guys, how do you how do you start thinking about attacking Hilton Pittman Campbell, this Colts wide receiver group in drafts? Yeah, I guess, you know, it's Michael Pittman. You can see the best combination of, you you know, upside and the ability to be an inside-outside guy and kind of be just the go-to chain-moving receiver and, and maybe the biggest volume guy. You talk about T.Y. Hilton being paired to a, a quarterback that can hit him deep, but does Hilton still have that gear to get open deep um, is a question to me. And I think the biggest X, X factor here is I've always liked Paris Campbell and the idea of Paris Campbell, he just can't stay healthy. And I know that, you know, he's been upset about that, of course, but this is kind of like, this is the year he has to do it or else he's just going to, I think, fade off into oblivion. It's, I mean, come on, three years in, you got to, you got to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, he could be a steal. I think he could legitimately be a steal. He's a super talent. So I'm I'm interested and in, I'm watching on Paris Campbell. Um, I wonder also if Jack Doyle is go- going to be the guy. Would they bring in Zach Ertz? It seems to make a lot of sense given the Philly connections there. I think that I think there's a move to be made for the Colts. I don't know that they're going to be what they are right now going into the season. Jake, <laughs> let me jump in really quick for a second and ask you to consider this too. And you can answer this question too, but think of like. Do you have those target numbers handy? Because I'm I'm wondering with this team built the way it is, and you have a high volume back in Jonathan Taylor who's being drafted as a top six seven overall player, and you have Naeem Hines playing the role that he plays in this offense. You have a good defense. You have a team that expects to compete for you know something like they did last season. Are there concerning target numbers on these guys with the style of play we expect the Colts to have? I wouldn't say concerning. I think the biggest concern is what is Carson Wentz? Can he bounce back? Uh, if Carson Wentz bounces back and looks anything like the excitement we had a few years ago, when everybody was talking about all oh, potentially the next you know MVP, great top ten quarterback. And to be honest, if you even look at it, it's like those are good numbers pointing to an upswing, but it wasn't necessarily like top five numbers. But all that being said, is you can still throw the ball five hundred eighty, six hundred times, even in this offense, even with Jonathan Taylor running the ball. 280 times and you said why do i you know know those numbers ready well why did i throw those numbers because those numbers are pretty close to what the projections are i don't want to give it all away (laughs) until they're out next month but Uh those are close to around what the numbers are oh and by the way with taylor and hines also combining for 100 targets out of the backfield themselves you still Mm -hmm. have 100 for hilton 100 plus for Pittman, and 70 to 80 for paris campbell can those things change sure and you also have potentially Potentially four tight ends, and that's even before yeah. we get to Jack or not Jack uh, yeah. Zach Ertz yeah. as a potential Ertz, trade catch. Yeah. 
this is yeah. a team that is like the Vikings also lots a lot of 12 sets uh, actually ran a few 13 last year which is just insane but you have Doyle you still have Allie Cox you still have they brought in Jordan Thomas they drafted Kyle Granson who's a rookie who I think is gonna you know a few years down the road but they're already talking about hey he could be involved a couple times as a rookie so there's just a lot of options here I don't think it's the volume of the Bengals for these three you would kind of I bet just by those numbers alone chop off about 10 to 15 percent but they can still bolt they're still all be value here I agree with Brandon's biggest thing if I took the most talented one it would be Pittman I think the interesting thing about Hilton is he showed last year late when he finally caught on it was two things that was interesting about us. They started moving him around more, which helped. They kind of like started and manipulating his routes a little bit instead of just being like, I'm just going to beat everybody deep. And the funny thing is, is because even though he started changing up his routes and his usage and his line of script, like kind of the, finding ways to get him, quote unquote, open, is his air yards and distance actually went up because he had more of a threat. And, you know, you get defenders starting to bite. So I think that the combination of that and Wentz is that Hilton could repeat last year and Pittman could be a guy I'm hoping for Paris Campbell, like Brandon said, and all three of them could be fantasy relevant. But uh, And I won't say the Panthers. This is not a Panther situation. <laughs> All right, they, one more question before we move on for this team is the uh, is the over under wide receiver twenty nine and a half is the top scoring wide receiver over that better than that wide receiver twenty nine or better or worse than that wide receiver thirty or worse? If I'm, you force me, uh, would you say Brandon? I would say that Pittman will not finish top thirty. I think he said best wide receiver, so any of them. Yeah, but that's yeah, any, that's any, that's, okay. that's my okay. that's my lead. I, well, that's I'm, my I'm lead. with you. I would say if you gave me thirty four and a half, I might say one. Maybe you could squeak in there, but I think I think you can see all three of them finishing between like wide receiver thirty five and fifty. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing anymore. Wide receiver fifty no, last year is still yeah. starting on most teams every single week last year. Yeah, right. If you're talking about three wide receivers and a flex spot in your starting lineup, then wide receiver 50 is going to be someone who at the very least is on a team for sure for the bulk of the season and is someone you think about playing in bye weeks as a worst case scenario. Definitely. Mike Williams. This is per game too. Mike Williams, Devontae Parker, Christian Kirk, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, although his games were super inconsistent. But these are all wide receivers (laughs) in the 40s to 50. (laughs) Yeah, and so there you go. So all these guys are going to have some role to play in the fantasy world. We're going to have to wait and see how that shakes out. Before we go to our next team, I want to talk about um, our second clue here for Guess That Player. So again, clue number one was I've been a top 15 wide receiver in half PPR scoring each of the last three years, topping out at wide receiver eight. Travis Clue number two. (laughs) Because you put him at wide receiver. (laughs) Wide receiver. Clue number two. In that three-year span. So in the three-year span that this receiver has been a top 15 wide receiver every year, half PPR scoring, I've led my own team in yards and targets just once. He's led in yards multiple times. He's led in targets multiple times. But both in the same year, he has led just once in the three season. So that is clue number two for Guess That Player. And again, we are using this to give away a spot into SFB Scott Fishbowl 11 for this season. Let's move on to our next team here. This is Jake's team, Brandon, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's talk some Jaguars. Uh, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones, Travis Etienne, going to have a big role in the passing game. Trevor Lawrence, the next big thing at the quarterback position. I got to let you take this one first, Jake. I mean, there it is. Chark, and Visca and Marv and ETN. How does this all work out? Is this one of your pass on the cake, take the icing situations with Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's the icing or the pieces. It's the cake is the, da- the Trevor Lawrence is the cake. Pa- the quarterback's pa- the cake. Pa- <laughs> yeah, that may pass on the icing. Take that makes more. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Buy the cake, not the icing is my saying. So there you go. There you go. I'll get that on a shirt. Buy a cake. I'll, I'll get Rotoware to put it. Put like yeah, a nice get Rotoware on that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how he like throw away the icing on that, but like the icing is still going to be valuable. Like here's what it comes down to: if I had to rank as of today, which I have, and I will continue to do so, obviously, I would go Chark, I would go Jones second, I would go Chenault third at running back. I think we've talked about ad nauseum now is like Etn, a lesser version of Kamara, still going to be valuable, but expect kind of Clyde Edwards Alaire mid RB two, maybe he gets into the high end RB two range as a rookie, but. James Robinson is not going to go away. He's a better Latavius Murray one you can actually use. So there's just the fact that there's a lot of pieces and there's a lot of pieces with a coach who's trying to talk up everybody and get everybody involved every single day of the week. And it could just be a mess. The, the, what keeps coming to mind 
that I don't think is going to be this bad, obviously. What comes to mind is trying to do too much Chip Kelly. Like, stop. Like, look, the NFL is not college. We've seen coaches do this before. You can't make everything fun and super and everybody's going to get 80 touches a week and you're going to have 110 pass plays like chill out dude you got to make yeah. some like pecking order here and some semblance there's to the no offense. no rutgers for uh yeah. for urban meyer to go <laughs> yes. up against in the no NFL. there's there's not you're not going to be putting up 60 <laughs> points exactly so i still put in that order but the fact is is like chark has the best number one pure ability I think Marvin Jones continues to be overlooked of how good he'll be with Trevor Lawrence and again in his offense because he's Marvin Jones, because he's good every damn year. Marvin Jones just goes out and catches 900 yards and eight touchdowns are somewhere around there every damn year. We could be excited about LaVisca Chenault, but I have a feeling that even if you're manufacturing touches, okay, are you going to give them to him out of the backfield? Because then what are you doing James Robinson and Travis Etienne? Like, there's just one ball, only so many things you can do. So I think the Chenault price right now is way too high. And I'll give you a perfect example because this was in the mailbag too. And I said, go field trade offers. I tweeted about it. I said, all this hype about Chenault, now is your time because people are paying out the nose. Somebody tweeted me back and said, took your advice. I got Kenny Galladay and a 2022 second rounder for LaVisca Chenault. Like, that's how you take advantage of these situations. Chenault, even at best case, still probably only brings back that trade value. Yeah, I, I feel like that if this was not Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow there and suddenly all the attention is on Jacksonville, like if, if Trevor Lawrence just gets drafted by Houston, like, you know, there is like there's a there's a bunch of opportunities for guys that will be would be good draft values in the end but right now because everybody's just getting in on Jacksonville they're just taking all this potential sleeper value and just blowing it up right now and <laughs> and so it's interesting because this is a team how much better is this defense going to be there's a lot of unknowns i mean they were the second worst in points allowed last year to allow Jacksonville to throw the seventh most time in the league but their actual fantasy production at the quarterback position was was like 25th so like you know, can Trevor Lawrence, the quality of passing can really improve the overall numbers of all these recipients that are going to get in the ball. But is the defense going to be better? The question of Urban Meyer getting too cute and, and running things differently. And then if it's a, if it's a traditional kind of like setup that they had like last year, man, I mean, you would think that seventh most passes again, you're going to get, you know, top 15 level uh, overall production from the quarterback position just in general in fantasy. So um, there's just some X factors in here that are really hard to put your thumb on. Yeah, as of right now, I only have two people on this team getting over 100 targets, and one of them's not Chenault. <laughs> so there you right. go. <laughs> right, but this was a and team that threw 616 times last well, year. I, okay, and to that point, I'll give this one completely away. I have 660 attempts for this team. And I still only have two people Ooh. getting over 100 targets just because, you know, Chenault's not that far off, but I'm just making the point. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that I think factors in here with Chenault is that, like, you know, like, Jake, you're awesome at projections. You're just awesome in general, Jake. You're And you're great at the projections. You know you're going to get some things wrong. That goes without saying. I think that LaVisca Chenault being outside the top two in these in the, on this team in targets is not something that you have a chance of getting wrong. Like, there would have to be an injury for Chark yes. and Marv to not be top two on this team and targets. And so that is something else to think about when you're thinking about the down ticket items in this passing game. Jaguars, we know, are a team that has a, a quarterback change and a very good one. The Broncos, they could be a team that, first of all, they could be a team that just has a quarterback change, period, no matter what happens with Aaron Rodgers. They could be one that has a very good quarterback change if they do end up swinging a deal for Aaron Rodgers. Let's think about them, though, right now with Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, whatever the case may be in Denver. The big addition coming back to this team, of course, is Cortland Sutton. Missed the entire 2020 season due to injury. So let's just start right at the top of the depth chart, Brandon. Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy? Who's the number one on this team? Um, I would say... Cortland Sutton, I, I guess you see potentially just with the way their roles are, and if it's Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, that maybe Jerry Judy ends up getting more targets. But I think just in terms of you know the quality of the target, like it should be close. Cortland Sutton's going to get the ball deeper downfield, air yards wise, going to likely score more touchdowns. I would give the lean to Cortland Sutton on that. Yeah, completely agree. I actually have their targets very close together, but more yards, more touchdowns, just more for Cortland Sutton. Obviously, the bigger question with Sutton is how healthy is he coming off that injury? Mm -hmm. 
but we are, you know, as of today, we have to go into this assuming a lot of things. You know, we could go back to Joe Burrow. All the reports are he's fine for week one. It's not a hundred percent a given. So there's a lot of things out there. But um, yeah, I agree a hundred percent with Brandon. It's Sutton, and it's kind of a it's, even though the targets are super close, it's probably I'd say a half tier, if not to a full tier gap for me for Sutton to Judy. Yeah, I think people forgot how good Sutton is. People forgot that this guy was like everybody was ready to throw him inside the top ten next year. But we also agree that Jerry Judy is going to be better, and the whole drops thing. I don't expect that to be Mm -hmm. something that he just carries with him year in and year out. That that stigma. I I think he'll be better as well. And KJ Hamler was up there in drops, and you kind of have to start looking at quality of the targets. And and Drew Locke Mm -hmm. has to figure into that a little bit as well in the conversation. So, anyways, just something to think about. Well, let's. I wanted to bring up uh, two more obvious guys in this offense. Let's start with KJ Hamler, since you just mentioned him, Brandon. Is there a fantasy relevant role for him to play alongside those two receivers, and then, of course, Noah Fant, the other guy? But let's try to keep this targeted on KJ Hamler. We've got Jake doing a you know Frank the Tank move up there. Like, is there <laughs> is there a fantasy relevant role for KJ Hamler this season? Maybe. I, I, I here's what I'm thinking though. I get back to this idea that this is a good defense. <laughs> well, look, this is a good defense who got. The ultimate game manager now that Alex Smith is no longer in the league, the ultimate game manager now is Teddy Bridgewater. And you got Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, a two-pronged backfield. You have a good defense, and you have a suspect quarterback position. I mean, what makes sense to me is ground and pound and and play good defense and win games that way, and this is not a high-volume passing game. And so that would worry me in terms of KJ Hamler. Is there a role? Yeah, he fits right in there. Fits right in there as that third wide receiver working the slot and and having a role. But I would worry about the consistency week in and week out if it does end up going the direction of Teddy Bridgewater. If Aaron Rodgers comes in, game on. You know, it's a whole different story. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I, I can't really disagree too much as much as I just love KJ. I just, I, I'm a sucker for Penn State wide receivers. Can you tell? But they just, year after year, they just, look, they put up wide receivers all the time. Allen Robinson, Chris they Godwin. Do. Sorry, Dejon Hamilton. KJ Hamler. <laughs> uh, like, like, it just continues that. But no, look, Brandon, you're, you're right. As much as I can be excited, I'm just more excited to see what Hamler can do over a full season. I actually think Teddy would be better for Hamler. Hamler, yeah, for, mm-hmm. for that season. Um, but 70 maybe 80 targets because we still didn't even talk about as you said no to fan we're focusing on kj yeah. hamler is well, there's there's still a, t- a pecking order here and hamler even surpassing tim patrick because he fits better in that slot mm-hmm. situation would still be fourth in the pecking order and that's without even including the backfield as a combined target right. share themselves which you could argue that might even be in co- contention with hamler for fourth Let's get into Noah Fant here, Jake. Uh, I mean, you know, top 10 tight end ADP, probably going to stay there. Is there enough here? Is there enough here for him? And can he, I guess maybe the better question with Noah Fant is, can he force his way to where we are talking about this as a, uh, you know, two receivers and a tight end, all of whom command a big target share, one of those brands of teams? No, I think that, I think Fant falls into exactly what he did last year. And that he wasn't even a tight end one season. I don't really see mm-hmm. him getting a hundred plus targets. And if he does, that's not what do you have? Ninety one, two, three, somewhere around that last year. So it's not even a huge enough yeah. jump. Yeah. So I think I think fans fine. I think that you're talking about yes, he didn't finish as a tight end one, but you're also talking about the inconsistency of the position. You're looking at some of the people that finished mm-hmm. in front of him last year, and nobody would say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to definitely draft." Whatever, you know, I'm trying to think who there's somebody ridiculous that finished right in front, like Hayden Hurst. We're not taking Hayden Hurst in front of him. We're not drafting Jono in a split situation. We're not thinking that Jimmy Graham's going to eclipse and repeat that <laughs> touchdown success. So he deserves to be a tight end one, but it's more because his floor is better than most once you get into that range. I wouldn't take Fant near the top seven or eight, though. Yeah, don't don't have a whole lot to add. He's not someone I'm I'm going into drafts targeting. He's someone that I might end up having to settle with, and and that's kind of where I'm at on him. Fant or Gusecki? Uh, Fant. I'm on that train too. Are you also? Yeah, that's why. Finish I the water. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. I've got a third clue for you on this guess that player. Uh, so the third clue, last year I had five games with fewer than six points in half PPR scoring. Fewer than six points in half PPR scoring five times. 
last season yet, of course, as we know from clue number one, was still a top 15 wide receiver. So the three clues again, I've been a top 15 wide receiver in half PPR scoring each of the last three seasons. I cause uh, the fire trucks and ambulances to go by <laughs> Beller's window when he talks about me. So that's a bonus clue. Uh, clue. The next clue in that three-year span that I've been a top 15 wide receiver I've led my team in yards and targets just once in the same season. And then clue number three, last year I had five games with fewer than six points and half PPR scoring. We will talk about that player as we wrap the show up. But a couple more teams I want to talk about first. Can I give one more and clue? That first one. Can I give one more clue? Nope, that's it. <laughs> three clues. You're out. Three clues. That's, you are out I think I know clues. who that's it was it. from the first one. The second one made me hesitate, and the third one made me come back to my original guess. This is going to be interesting. Let me get to it. Yeah, the second one's actually uh, made things a little... I, I was surprised to see that was true when I was looking at Well, if you said the surprise, that makes me feel better about, about my guess, but we'll see. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, hey, Jake. Yes. How about the New York Giants? Let's talk about these guys. Um, I'm circling back to the same question I asked at the top of the show, right with the Arizona Cardinals. It was DeAndre Hopkins. And then, you know, what do we think about? This, this Giants team, they got Kenny Galladay. They still have all the dudes that they had last year, right? Darius Slayton's there. Sterling Shepard, he's there. Evan Ingram, he's there. So what happens on this team, Jake, beyond Kenny Galladay? Uh, Sterling Shepard is a tremendous value right now because Sterling Shepard goes back to what Sterling Shepard should be doing and playing the majority of his time at the slot, similar to like Kirk and Judy going in the second year and people we've talked about like Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager. And stuff. A lot of these guys, you can succeed outside. You're not going to play 100% of your snaps at the slot. Nobody does, but... Mm-hmm. similar to all these type of wide receivers is you can succeed outside when we move you around and there's situations there and you're not always targeted when you're playing outside. Sometimes it's just a lineup to keep things moved around and the plays are going elsewhere. Anyway, the real appeal is we've seen the numbers for Shepard. If anybody's ever looked them up and you know, the biggest thing will probably be in my bounce back article. So if you want to wait for that, that'll, that'll be the numbers. If you don't want to go look them up yourself, there's a stark difference between Shepard in the slot and not in the slot. Kenny Galladay is going to be Kenny Galladay. I actually have concerns that he might take a step back with Daniel Jones because Kenny Galladay is not a separating wide receiver. You don't have to be. Des Bryant was never great at separating, but he was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL at the time. Kenny Galladay, as with we saw with Matthew Stafford, can be a terrific wide receiver and a great fantasy option. Problem is, Daniel Jones is going to have to get more confidence throwing into a covered wide receiver, and he hasn't shown that ability yet, or to put it in the right spot for that type of accuracy. Daniel Jones could easily bounce back this year as well as quarterback, but what it comes down to is it's Galladay and Shepard for me. I think the rest is going to be a mess. Slayton surprised everybody. Like Slayton, two years ago, is not that good of a wide receiver in the NFL. It just a lot of things broke right, and a lot of the attention now being on him, in best-case scenario, is another Mike Wallace to bring him up again, or Torrey Smith or something like that. So he's going to be fighting with Evan Ingram. As Brandon said with Judy, I don't think he's going to have the drop issues he had last year. It's not like he's Eric Ebron. That's not like what Ingram's been building off of. He's better than that. So, But... Ingram's involved. Slayton's involved. They drafted Tony. They want to get him some usage again, better real life than fantasy. But that's three guys before we even get to the fact that Saquon Barkley is going to involve 70, maybe 80 targets himself. So it's those are the only two wide receivers I'm really interested in. I think it's just going to be a mess every single week, including at tight end position. 
Yeah, and you know, I've seen Sterling Shepard go insanely low. Sometimes just barely. He's free. Yeah, sometimes he's barely even drafted. If I, I'm, I'm thinking back. I think I've been in some leagues where he hasn't even been drafted. But uh, and that's on me because I should have been one of them to draft him. But <laughs> I, I do still like him. I do agree that he's being undervalued. And it's weird. I think Kadarius Tony being a guy that you know that we expect is going to work in the slot, uh, maybe dragging the value down. But man, if you're following kind of the the news on Kadarius Tony. Sounds like he's already a little bit of a, of a basket case and being aloof and having like these, you know, reasons for coming up for not being able to practice and stuff. So he's getting off to a terrible start. I, I have a kind of a feeling that Kadarius Tony is end up going to be kind of a, a wasted first year um, and that his time is is beyond 2021. So I'm with you. And, and, and the interesting about Kenny Galladay, he's never been a guy that's demanded a whole lot of volume. You know, like if, even mm-hmm. in Detroit, when he put up his huge numbers, it was like 60 some catches. You know, it's uh, right. so Sterling Shepard really can be the, the the clear winner here in terms of target volume. And Kenny Galladay can still get his, but on a lot less targets. So, uh, yeah, not a whole lot more to say. Just going to put an exclamation point on what you did say. All right, let's stick in that division for our last team, the Washington footballs. One more year of calling them the Washington. Is it two more years? It's Did one they more, say it's, something? It's, that it's, it's one it's, more it's, officially, and they still haven't. Yeah. They still haven't yeah, chosen the name, though, right? Like, we don't know what it is. Yeah, right? They, I get them in Cleveland in baseball mixed up. And who's, I'm, who's I'm, at what I'm, stage? I'm, I'm on board for Red Wolves. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty cool. I, I'm cool with that too, but I, I would like. I'm happy that we get to talk, trot out footballs for one more season. <laughs> just not I, football it, it, club. That sounds like a soccer team. Like stop. Yes, that's just, that's yes. terrible. All he did was change yes. one name. He changed team to club. Like what are we doing? Yeah, <laughs> it would not be good. And I actually, I actually, so I, I, I like soccer. I, I actually hate when I hate I hate MLS teams trying to mimic European soccer team names. Yeah. Right? Like I just it, it's. Which was you the know, one that dropped club so- and everybody rioted? What was the one that we don't call it football in this country? There was, was a huge one. Do you know what I'm talking about? You said you follow soccer. What was the one that changed their name and everybody went ballistic and they changed it back one week later because they dropped the club? No, no, no. no. Well, the the Chicago Fire did something with their logo, but not no, with no, their no. team this name. This was somebody dropped the club off the name. Anyway, no. I like soccer. I didn't say I follow it that closely. I like it. I like watching the Euros. <laughs> I'm watching the Euros. Like <laughs> or wait, <laughs> yeah. can you call it plural Euros? I'm watching money on my yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's, uh, it's, that, that's good. That's good. I think we can leave it there. Let's talk about the Washington football team and their passing game. Uh, is this is this sort of simple, Brandon? Is this what I've got right here? Terry McLaurin, a little bit of a step down. Curtis Samuel, maybe same level or a little bit of a step down. And Logan Thomas, and we know that – J.D. McKissick, Steven Sims, they're going to be involved. Diami Brown, they used a third-round pick on. He's going to be involved in some way. But is this McLaurin, Samuel Thomas, and we can forget about the rest? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's going to be room for someone other, you know, than these guys to develop a Sims or a Harmon or a Diami Brown. I mean, I put my money on Diami Brown, maybe, you know, a slow start, but maybe in someone that we could be interested midseason or so. I, there's there's room there, but yeah, I think in terms of hierarchy, it's pretty clear. It's McLaurin, Samuel, and, and Thomas in that order for sure, and. I would expect that they're going to try to work in Antonio Gibson in the passing game more and maybe dial back on J.D. McKissick as a thing um, and making Antonio Gibson more of a fully featured bell cow type and not being just a, you know, I mean, it's got the skills. If, and I think they're working towards mm-hmm. Ron Rivera's thrown out the, you know, the random, uh, you know, kibble to us, which is, oh, it reminds me a lot of, you know, Christian McCaffrey. So you kind of feel like he, the idea is that he wants to kind of, you know, form him into that kind of a role eventually. And we'll see what happens there. Yeah, actually. So inside information, oh. I did Ben Standings podcast for like two weeks ago oh, for nice. the Washington football team. And I'm glad because a lot of it was, you know, they have the inside information. They're out there watching one specific team. Like, that's the biggest thing is we're covering 32 and, you know, then some depending on what other factors are out there. But, you know, he's focused on the one. And I saw it, what the good thing was is he agreed with a lot of the assumptions, quote unquote, I'm making with projections and the fact that it is very clear. It is McLaurin and then Curtis Samuel. And that's going to be great with Ryan Fitzpatrick now at quarterback versus the mess that they had last year. That nothing you can look and at. And the year like before Fitz- and maybe the year before. Yeah, and the- <laughs> Fitzpatrick is a definitive upgrade. And that's why I think Brown is interesting. But what we talked about, one of the things is Brown is not a guarantee he probably would be the one that they would like to see step into the number three. But you mentioned Harmon, who honestly probably doesn't even make the team at this point because 
there's a better likelihood that Gandy Golden, who they just drafted, yeah. who has that similar big play big, or move the change red zone presence. I knew there was outside. someone I forgot in there. Yeah. Well, and you forgot the other Sims too. They have I said Simses. Sims. I said the Simses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they brought in Adam Humphreys, who, if healthy, mm. is a slot receiver who's proven himself time and again to be a slot. They are probably cutting three wide receivers, and it's going to be names that are one of the, these are one of the ones that's going to be like post cuts. Going to be like, ooh, I'm interested to see where he lands. Uh, yeah. All that being said, is the biggest thing that comes with F Fitzpatrick too is you're right. It's going to be one two. It's going to be Logan Thomas probably number three, and then the fourth being the wide receiver. But the biggest hit is McKissick. I think you see more involvement mm -hmm. for Gibson in the passing game because they want to. And that's the funny thing is his rookie season was exactly the opposite of what we all all there was nobody out there who said. Gibson was going to be primarily a runner after being primarily a pass catcher in college because the big question was, oh, he's played so few snaps at running back. Is he going to be able to succeed? Fitzpatrick doesn't throw to the running backs a lot his entire career. And you're going to take away that if Gibson gets that uptick. McKissick, in my opinion right now, I'm not even looking at McKissick, even in full PPR. I have no interest for where he's going because I think he's rounds lower than his ADP right now. It's uh, I, I love one of the things I love about fantasy football. There are a lot of things I love about fantasy football, but one of them is that I, I love that there's always going to be that random dude. Last year, JD McKissick. I mean, in full PPR leagues, JD McKissick was locked in. He fell a into a great situation eventually. too. It was McLaurin and oh, yeah. nothing. Yeah, well, Thomas <laughs> McLaurin and nothing. Just and, like I and mean, Alex Smith was, wheelhouse. You know, <laughs> yeah, right? like I mean, and so that, that's hey, awesome, don't forget man. Tyler Haneke. Like, <laughs> Come on, Haneke played probably the best football of any other quarterbacks last year. Yeah, Taylor Heineke almost knocked off the eventual Super Bowl champions in the yeah. uh, in the first round of the playoffs. So could have been having a much different story there. But yeah, just like I, I love that like like twenty twenty J D McKissick will never be like remembered unless you had him. Like someone <laughs> rode J D McKissick into the playoffs, and it's just. It's awesome. It's why we love this. And we also love guessing players with pieces of trivia. So let's pay that off here. <laughs> We're going to guess that player. Remember, this is part of our Scott Fish Bowl 11 giveaway. If you're still with us, be sure to get in on that. Uh, what you're going to do here is get, you're going to guess the player. You're going to take a, a give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to us on podcasts. Definitely five stars. Screenshot that. Guess the player. <laughs> Definitely want it to be a five-star review and a really glowing review about mm -hmm. how great my voice sounds and all that. Um, and then... Tweet it to us, at Beller, at Allen Kidd, at Brandon Funston. We'll give away a slot in Scott Fish Bowl by Thursday. So, again, our three clues for Guess That Player. Clue number one, I've been a top 15 wide receiver in half PPR scoring each of the last three seasons. Clue number two, in that three-year span, I've led my own team in yards and targets just one time. Clue number three, last year I had five games with fewer than six points in half PPR scoring. Who we got here? Who is the I think I know receiver? it. So, you you want to go first, Jake? No, I, you always go first. I'm gonna That's go what first I'm saying. I was going to let you go <laughs> first. I had a fourth clue, no, too. Do you want the fourth clue? Might, might solidify <laughs> it for you. You can tell <laughs> no, me if it changed your mind or not. He had three games of 27 or more points. Sounds about right. Does he play for your team? He might. He might. I was going to go. Uh, the first clue was going to be Tyler Lockett. The second one threw me off, and then the third one brought me back. I think to Tyler it's Tyler Lockett. Lockett. That's what. That, is it? it is. <laughs> the second one yes, threw me off. Clue. I'm like, really? Only once? But then when you said the third one about how many few games under that, I was yeah. like, no, it's it's got to be Tyler Lockett. He led the Seahawks in yards and targets in 2019. Last year, Metcalf led them in yards. 2018, Doug mm -hmm. Baldwin led them in targets. Doug Baldwin had I, 73 And that's what was throwing me off. I couldn't. I, Doug Baldwin feels like he's been gone longer yeah. than that. That's why. Yeah. His 73 targets in 2018 were enough to lead the team. Tyler Lockett had 965 yards and 10 touchdowns on 70 targets. Hey, I got one. <laughs> I didn't get the last how, how one. How many targets and then I got, you got the first Tyler Lockett right, down but I just for, got it Jake? Wrong. How many targets do you got Tyler Lockett down for this year? Uh, well, what are you, like, and what is like, like, I mean, what do we make of Tyler Lockett? I mean, we set right six games with fewer than five points. You know, who Tyler Lockett is more now more than 27. What yep. do we make of him this year? He's he's his Will Fuller or what Will Fuller used to be. Is in enjoy the four amazing games, get frustrated with six terrible ones, and the rest of the season is kind of like, all right, yeah, I got my fringy wide receiver too. So that's Tyler Lockett. He's, this is what like what this is what it comes down to. But to answer your question, Brandon, I actually have seventy six targets going to Gerald Everett, and I still have Disley being involved. And yet, even mm -hmm. with that, because this is such a funneled offense, I'll have Tyler Lockett with one hundred and twenty six, and that's with Eskridge getting fifty three. 
This is what <laughs> you I asked you guys the question. I said, what was the wide receiver wide receiver total for the third wide receiver on that team last year? It was 37 targets for for more. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, it is a different offense completely. It's a wholesale changes on the offense. It, yes. So, but I think 127 targets sounds about right. I mean, I think that's. And so, I, and I have 53 for Exgridge. I have close to 40 for Disley still being involved. I have Freddie Swain still getting some. I still have Rashad Penny getting a handful because he's back finally. <laughs> Speaking of people staying healthy, uh, there, there's just... a decent chance he's not. Doesn't sound like he's all the way healthy, and there's a decent chance know, that he could get cut. And they're talking because he makes almost two million that they might cut him. So yeah. So DJ Dallas and Travis Homer time. Again? Well, it could be you know the Josh Johnson love that we've seen like Brandon Howard and a couple guys on our site say you know in, in search of the next the that, James like, Robinson. There's still the Duke sitting out there. Oh, jeez, the Duke. Yeah. That's true. It's true. I mean, yeah. It could make some sense. <laughs> Got to get Rashad Penny and Kristen Michael into the same room. <laughs> After Just mush them together like some Play-Doh and like turn them into. <laughs> Uh, by the way, just uh, to, just in case, for, for Mike, Mike, I, I don't know. Just, you said by Thursday. I I think he's gonna take him by Thursday night. He might announce on Friday. Just in case, I don't know. Or are you announcing the Scott Fishbowl winner? Are you announcing it? No, 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 no. I'm passing it on to Scott. Okay, just in case you don't see it Friday night, he might be in, or Thursday night. He might be announcing it on Friday. So I don't know. I just want to put that out okay. there, so people aren't like, "Oh, what the hell? You said Friday. You oh, said Thursday." That reminds me. Can I tell you what the the wrinkle is this year? And I'm just oh, curious yeah, to get Jake's take on it. So you don't have to drag on it. You don't have to draft a kicker, but you can actually plug a kicker in oh, to a flex at, spot. At your flex. So yeah. and I was looking at like it was Daniel Carlson averaged nine points per game last year, which was God, who was the receiver? It's like Christian are, Kirk. Are there, it's like plugging Christian Kirk into your flex it's spot. It's like plugging in a wide receiver five. Yeah. Are there? I kind of like that. Bonuses? There's no. It, there's, the, then you five? don't have to draft a kicker, but if you need to get some help through the bye weeks, I kind of like it. It's an option. I kind of like that too, actually. Are, is is it yardage bonuses? Is it like know. five points for a fifty-three yard field goal? Here's the thing. I don't I think even need so. to look. But here's I think the problem. So, but with I'm it. not sure. This is going to be, and I already know it's coming. I'm ready for it, but I'm just going to ignore everybody because here's the fact. It's going to be like, <laughs> ha ha, I won this <laughs> week. No, no, because it's going to be like, ha ha, I won this week with two kickers. In my oh, flex spot. Yeah. <laughs> but what it's going to come down to is I, it's it's confirmation bias. Is Nobody's going to remember the five weeks where you didn't win. Yeah. Because go look at even Carlson. <laughs> I don't even need to pull him up myself. Go look at the top three kickers. Go look at how many games they failed to. Talk about Tyler Lockett. Go look at how many games they failed to score five points or six points compared to Tyler Lockett. Oh, by the way, at least Tyler Lockett will score you 25 in a week. So... It's a wide receiver five. If you want to plug him in for a wide receiver five because there's bye weeks or something like that, be oh, my guest. Man. But all people I are going to do wait. is going to be like, yeah, oh, I don't think I you, I don't think you craft a strategy around kickers as like a thing. Oh, they're but already like, doing it because I get tweeted on all of them. Everybody wants to see, <laughs> yeah. see me on them. And be like, ha ha, where are you now? I'm gonna. Somebody was already like, I'm gonna start five kickers against Jake when I face him. Like, go right ahead, yeah. please. I can't wait for your first. The first time you get a. Rodrigo Blankenship versus KJ Hamler question. <laughs> that's a per that's perfect, actually. <laughs> All right. And on that great note, we are going to call it a show here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, giving away the Scott Fishbowl spot, rate and review, take a screenshot, send us that answer to guess that player. Put Start it on six Twitter, kickers. at Ambeller, at All in Kid, at Brandon Funston. Start as many kickers as you want if you win that spot to Scott Fish Bowl 11. We will be back with you next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have a good week. Get those kickers. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories and pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.